Well, we are walking through the book of of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And uh, we know it's the Christmas season. We covered the Christmas story back in August. And uh, we'll revisit that on the 23rd. But uh, looking at the story of Jesus calling uh, the tax collector this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed Jesus. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The calling of of Levi this morning was was scandalous. Uh, to, To truly appreciate the... Uh, this story this morning, you need to understand how Jews felt about tax collectors. Tax collectors were so despised in the eyes of Jews that they weren't even put in the same category as sinners. They, they did not want to offend sinners at this point. Okay, because they were that bad. Uh, Tax collectors were the thieves of society. They were unclean people because they were in cahoots with the Roman uh, government. And so anyone who associates with uh, a sinner is is unclean. Uh, They were considered traitors. Uh, They weren't even able to attend a synagogue service because of their uncleanness. Um, they wouldn't have an opportunity to testify in a court of law because their their character was so seedy in the eyes of the Jews. As far as a, a Jew was concerned, there was no hope for a tax collector. All they wanted was God's judgment in these people's lives. And here Jesus is coming along and he calls a tax collector to be a part of his inner circle. That was scandalous to Pharisees. How could Jesus even conceive of calling a tax collector? And yet Jesus saw Levi Jesus saw his needs and called and said, come follow me. This is the second part I want you to see about this passage of scripture is that Jesus, he didn't, he didn't just merely glance at Levi. No, the Bible says he saw Levi. 
In the Greek lexicon, uh, the word saw uh, means this, careful and deliberate vision which interprets its object. Careful and deliberate vision. You know, last week when um, Jesus healed the paralytic, um, Jesus saw all the needs of the paralytic. From the outside, we, we would think, we assume that the paralytic just needed healing. But the Bible says when Jesus saw the faith of the men who were lowering this man into the presence of Jesus, and when he saw the faith of the paralytic, when he saw their faith, Jesus says, I forgive you of your sin. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw beyond the physical needs, and he saw a deeper need, his spiritual needs. And this is what Jesus sees in each of us. Jesus sees all of us, and not what's just happening on the surface. He sees you. He knows your needs. You know, it's easy to fake it in front of others and pretend like everything's all together. But when it comes to Jesus, he sees everything. And he saw Levi He was sitting at a tax booth. He was sitting in his office. And he saw, what did did Jesus see in this tax collector? Well, we can know a little bit about Levi from his name. Levi is a Jew. His parents named him Levi. Levi comes from the name, the people, the Levites. Uh, the priests, the holy people of God. That's whom his parents named him, Levi. When naming him Levi, they they were thinking, they were dreaming, they were believing that one day their son would grow up to be a holy man of God, just like the Levites. But instead, Levi's life took a totally opposite direction. Instead of being a godly man of God, he became a tax collector. He was was despised in the eyes of his people. He was seeing himself as being at the bottom of society. Couldn't even go to a church service. He was so that that full of sin. Jesus sees Levi and knows his emptiness. Knows the fact that instead of being a godly, holy man, he he chose money, power, and and possessions, material possessions, over following God. And where, what had, where had it led him? To absolute emptiness. And Jesus sees all of this. And Jesus says, Levi, follow me. And Levi was so Desperate, so empty that he left everything, the Bible says, and followed Jesus. Which brings us to our third point. Matthew left it 
all. You know, you might be thinking to yourself that, you know, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, does that mean that you've got to leave it all? Not necessarily. This was Jesus' call in Levi's life. Levi could not follow Jesus and continue to be a a tax collector because that was going to hinder his witness. It was going to hinder his ministry that God wanted to have through his life. And maybe you're in a profession this morning and, and, uh, it might require you having to leave that profession and do something else, but it may not necessarily be. Listen, when God calls you, doesn't mean that in following Jesus, you've got to become a pastor for God to use you. No, God wants to use you wherever you are. God wants to use you in your profession with your coworkers in that environment to be salt and light, to, to be a blessing to those around you, to take what you earn through a living and providing for your family to also contribute to the Lord's work. Whatever capacity you find yourself in, God wants to use you there. So it doesn't necessarily mean that following means that you have to leave everything. But here Jesus says, follow me. And Levi leaves it all. And when we follow God, my friend, just understand that God is going to change your identity as you obey him, as you follow his will for your life. Levi went from the name Levi. Jesus gave him the the name Matthew. You know what Matthew means? Gift of God. As Levi followed Jesus, he made Matthew a blessing with other people. Matthew became a writer of one of the gospels of the New Testament. Uh, Matthew became a collector of souls. Matthew became an evangelist. Jesus saw the potential in Matthew that Matthew couldn't see, that Levi couldn't see in himself. Maybe you're here this morning and you see yourself as a Levi. And you're well aware of all the mistakes that you've made. And you've listened to the lies of the enemy. And he has convinced you that you're a loser. And nothing will much matter in your life. Don't listen to the father of lies. Jesus, my friend, sees the potential in your life, what you can become if you will just follow him. That's what Levi chose to do. Are you a tax tax collector this morning? I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay there. Maybe you're a mom and dad this morning, and maybe you've got a Levi as a son or a daughter. Or there's somebody in your life that that's a Levi. My friends, don't give up on those Levi's. Keep loving them. Keep praying for them. 
keep believing that God is going to touch their life. Be a blessing in their life rather than a Pharisee who keeps your distance. Jesus isn't giving up on them and neither should you. But here we see Jesus calling a tax collector. Jesus sees the tax collector. Jesus says, come follow me. And Matthew follows And in following, the Bible says he begins to invite his friends to come meet Jesus. Um, Matthew, or Levi, wants to to, uh, throw a goodbye party. And he wants to share with his friends, his tax collectors and others, why he's leaving, why he's following Jesus. And he invites everyone to this party so they can meet the Jesus that has changed his life. And guess what Jesus does? He goes to the party. Jesus isn't afraid to associate with tax gatherers and sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And just as Jesus is a friend of sinners, church, so much so must you and I be a friend of sinners. Now, Pharisees, They have a total different reaction. The Bible says in in this text this morning that they begin to grumble. They begin to question. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know whom he's associating with? The Pharisees' lifestyle is they don't want to have anything to do with tax gatherers, tax collectors, and sinners. Why? Because it's going to make them unclean. You see, their salvation is based upon segregation. The holier they are, the further they are removed from sinners. And that was the exact opposite reaction or mission of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to isolate himself from sinners. He came to be their friend. And in being their friend, that doesn't mean he approves of their lifestyle. He doesn't condone their lifestyle. But Jesus didn't come to judge them. Jesus came to love them that they might be drawn to God, to the love of God, and know who God is. You see, number three, or the third bullet, not only did they grumble and question, why is Jesus doing that? But the Pharisees were also quick to assess others rather than themselves. Look at them hanging out with those tax gatherers and sinners. They were ignoring their own personal needs. And they were quick to label others. And folks, that's a, that's a Pharisee's heart. We're quick to assess others and ignore our own standing in the eyes of God. Jesus had a word for the, the church at Laodicea. 
in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. It was a church that was lukewarm. And the reason why they were lukewarm is they were, they were indifferent to lost people. And uh, they, saw, they saw themselves as okay. Let me just read verses 15 through 17. It says this, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or, or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Church, we need to be careful. One commentator said that we can Christianize ourselves out of Christianity. The longer that we are Christians, the less sensitive, the less caring, the more indifferent we become to people who are lost. We can't associate with them. Their behavior is different from ours, and, and we become repulsed by that, that behavior. Listen, Jesus was drawn towards sinners. And we need to be also. Why? Because we're tax gatherers. The Bible says that we are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And the longer we are Christians, the less we see ourselves being in that condition. Yes, the Bible says that we are, we are justified in Christ. God sees us just as if we have never sinned because we're, we're covered in the blood of Jesus. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote the doctrine of justification in the book of Romans. Yes, we are justified in the eyes of God, but Paul also never forgot that he was the chief among sinners as well. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It's in your outline this morning. Jesus, or Paul says this to Timothy. He says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do you see yourself as a sinner? If you don't see yourself as a sinner, friend, you know what? We're going to come across as very unloving and uncaring towards those who struggle and are needy for Jesus. We are just as needy for Jesus as they are. And this was Jesus's ministry in life, his mission. He was to, he came to be a friend of sinners. And we can't ever forget the grace of God that God touched us with. Matthew never forgot this. Matthew, the author of Matthew, was listening listing all of the 12 disciples in uh, Mark or Matthew chapter 10, verse three. And Matthew comes to his name and he tags this 
after his name, Matthew, a tax collector. My friend, don't forget the grace of God in your life. I like what this commentator, uh, commentator Kent Hughes, said. He said, the radical, regenerate, the radical regenerating work of Christ sours when redeemed people lose sight of their continuing need. When they forget that through their eternal, that though their eternal future is secure in their daily walk, they are frail and needy. The church can easily become a self, self-righteous subculture with no room or sympathy for sinners. We cannot afford to go there. Folks, if we're going to reach our community, our ministry must reflect the mission of Jesus Christ. God's mission is all about love and mercy. That's what this text is teaching us. In a parallel passage, in Matthew chapter 9, it's the same account. Jesus tags on uh, one other statement, but if you, uh, it's in your outline. Let me just read this. Matthew 9, verse 12 says, But when he heard it, when he heard the Pharisees grumbling, he said, Those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. In the English Standard Version, it says, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What's Jesus saying there? Jesus is quoting Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. See, the people of Israel, the prophet uh, Hosea was chastising the people because they stopped loving. In Hosea 6, they said, your love is like the morning dew. I mean, it disappears rapidly uh, throughout the day. And he says, I deserve, I, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Folks, Jesus isn't impressed by us coming and singing songs here or or sacrificially giving to the Lord's work. Jesus is concerned about our love. His ministry was all about love and mercy, being a friend to sinners. This week I... uh, I listened to a sermon series by Andy Stanley. I don't know if you know Andy Stanley, um, but he's a pastor of a mega church in Alpharetta, Georgia. He has a sermon series entitled uh, Christian, talking about what it truly means to be uh, a Christian. And um, it's an excellent eight-part series I encourage you to watch. But he talks about the fact that um, people, sinners, are not going to be drawn to Jesus 
because of our theology or our our appropriate behavior. People are going to be drawn to Jesus because of our love. Jesus told his disciples, a new commandment I give to you. Believe better. It's not what he said. Live differently. He said, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. Someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, we need to be about love here. Now, in loving, that doesn't mean that we're all about grace and we just accommodate and accept everybody's behavior. No, we need to be about like Jesus. And John describes Jesus in John chapter 1 by saying, and we beheld his glory, a person full of grace and truth. Jesus was about both. We have a tendency of messing that up. We have a tendency of being, of placing ourselves in either the truth camp or the grace camp. Some like the truth camp because, you know, they know where the boundaries are. They know what, how, what to tell people, how, you know, the expectations of how people need to live their lives. And that's tidy, that's safe, that's clean. And uh, for some churches, it's all about the truth camp. For other churches, I mean, they're just very uh, accommodating. They just want to reach out to everybody. They're not big on truth. They're just big on love and uh, be receptive to everybody. And they water down the gospel at that point. Folks, this church, we need to be truthful We need to speak the truth in love. We need to be both. Sometimes that can be really confusing. We can look at the life of Jesus and wonder, where is he coming from? You know, sometimes he's really hard on people. And sometimes he's somewhat easy on people or comes across easy. You look at the rich young ruler. And the rich one young ruler wanted to know what it was, what was required for him to follow follow Jesus, and and he, Jesus says, "Go sell all that you have, and you can be a follower of mine." And he left um, downtrodden. Jesus really hard on him, but then here Jesus is dying next to the thief on the cross. This guy's in the two minute warning of life. Okay, just has a few minutes left. And Jesus tells this man, today you'll be with me in paradise. What's up with that, Jesus? Jesus is full of grace and truth. Folks, we need to be about the truth and we need to be about the grace. Sometimes that looks confusing. Maybe sometimes we won't get it right. We need to be about both. 
Jesus loved sinners. Jesus didn't come to judge sinners. He came to be their friend. He told them the truth. But he was a man full of grace. And people were attracted to him. And folks, if we choose to be people of God, being people of grace and truth, people will be drawn to Jesus. They won't come to here here because it's all of, we've got the right theology. They won't come here because they like our style of, of music. No, they're going to come here because there's people here who care about them. Matthew understood that mission. Matthew invited his friends, come see this Jesus that has changed my life. Folks, we need to be about Jesus' ministry right here in our community. Last week I I mentioned that um, we can't ignore our neighbors. How many times have I driven up and down Ward Street just basically ignoring those people who live in those trailer parks next to us. They've become invisible to me. They're invisible to our church. They can't be. This last week we got together and we we talked about what, what can we do this Christmas just to let them know that we love them, that we know that they're there. And, uh, and what the message of Christmas is all about. And so we've decided that um, on the 23rd, no, 22nd, 22nd of, uh, of this month, Saturday night, we're going to go and we're going to Christmas carol the two trailer parts between the church and the school. Uh, we want to give them a, a gift box of, of cookies and an invitation to our Christmas Eve service. So we need 140 dozen cookies minimum to uh, to bless the two neighborhoods and also the convalescent um, uh, care center over here, Ridgecrest Healthcare Center. But we want to send carolers into the neighborhood, uh, giving them these gift boxes, inviting them to our Christmas Eve service on the 24th. We're going to have a Christmas Eve service on Graff Street, 5 o'clock. And uh, we're offering them a gift of a Christmas family picture. Uh, We're going to have four different stations set up uh, in our worship center over there on Graff Street. So I'm looking for people. If you if you're artistic or interior decorator and you want to put together a picture a Christmas picture scene, we could really use you on that on that Christmas Eve. But we want to have four stations. We're going to take their pictures. We need photographers. We need four photographers. But uh, we want to do an attractive family picture that we can give them free as a gift. Just let them know we love them. We care about them. Um, and this can't just be a one-time event and then we neglect them through the rest of the year. What can we do on a regular basis to touch them? To let them know that we care and far more that Jesus cares. And so a lot of Hispanics that live over there, our Hispanic church is going to uh, participate in this caroling. So we need carolers. We need people to bake cookies. Um, uh, we need 
Lots of different things. So if you can volunteer, take that connection card. Let us know how you can volunteer uh, because we could really use you. But um, we're not here to judge. Church, we need to love sinners. Just like Jesus loves sinners. We need to be full of grace. And we need to be a full of truth and allow God to work in their life. So here's the, here's the takeaway. Here's the application from this text this morning. Number one, if you are a tax collector, if you see yourself as a sinner this morning, follow Jesus. Jesus sees you. He doesn't have words of condemnation for you this morning. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior. Call upon him. Number two, make a realistic assessment of your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been a Christian for a long time. You know the doctrine of justification. You know how God sees you. It's righteous before his eyes. But you've lost perspective of your sinfulness. Folks, you're needy for him. Make a realistic assessment of your life. Look at Luke chapter 18 for a moment. Luke chapter 18. I want to read verses 10 through 14 this morning. You'll forget this passage. It's, we'll be here another year, year or two. Um, but I, I want to just uh, read this text this morning. Starting with verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up, lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Just want you to know that you're not as good as you think you are. I'm not as good as I think I am. When I think I'm pretty good, I come across judgmental, unloving, insensitive, uncaring. Folks, there is no room for that in kingdom work. We need to love like Jesus loved. Make a realistic assessment of your life. Is there someone in your life 
that you've been judging lately. You've labeled them as a sinner or a tax collector, and you've come across very uncaring. Maybe you need to go and apologize to them. Humble yourself. God may use, very well use that in their life to draw that person back to them. Be a person of grace. And then number three, join Jesus' mission. Be a person of grace and truth and love. Don't be repulsed by sinners. They've got a story. They have a story of why they are the way they are. Take the time to listen to their story. You might have a greater understanding of why they're coming from where they're coming. Folks, be a friend to those who struggle. Let's pray. If you're the tax gatherer this morning, Jesus knows you. Jesus sees your emptiness. Jesus knows what's not working in your life. And this morning... By his love and his grace, he's saying, follow me. He's not repulsed by your behavior. He sees beyond your behavior to your potential of what he can be in your life. He wants to make you a gift rather than a curse. Cry out to him. By faith, trust him. Mom and dad, do you have a Levi in your life that you've kind of given up on? Jesus hasn't. I'm not saying that you go out and you enable poor behavior. But you keep loving them. You keep praying for them. Ask God to do a miracle in their life like Jesus did in Levi's life. Church, let's be on mission with Jesus. Let's make a realistic assessment of of our attitude, of our pharisaical condemnation of others. And let's repent. And let's be people of love, grace, restoration, healing. They need a physician, not a judge, not a critic. Let's be people of grace 
and truth. Father, I pray that Emmanuel Baptist Church can truly be Jesus in our community. That we can be Jesus to the people next door. That Jesus, we can love and we can provide what we can provide here. And Lord, we can point them to other resources in our community to help them with the needs that they have in their life. God, we can't be all things to all people, but we can be loving. We can be your presence. Lord, I pray that tax gatherers and sinners who walk through our doors will know the love that we have for you, that we have for each other, and that we have for them. And God, may you draw them to yourself as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.